welcome to Financial Footsteps, Candid Conversations with Financial Leaders, the podcast that takes you deep into the minds of the masters behind the numbers. Join host Chad Dean as he connects with financial leaders as they share their journeys so that we can gain valuable insight from their failures and triumphs. Get ready for candid conversations, behind the scenes anecdotes, and practical wisdom that will transform the way you think about your career in finance. Put down the balance sheet and listen in. Welcome to Behind the Balance Sheet. I am your host, Chad Dean, and I am a local recruiter here in town and the owner of Integrated Management Resources, which is the host of Behind the Balance Sheet. And I'm super excited today. This is our second episode ever. So I don't have the hang of it, but I think I'm getting a little bit better. And I'm uh, excited also to have Dan Johnson here, who is a local CFO and recently relocated to Phoenix, which I find is very interesting. And we'll delve into that. The idea for this podcast came because as a recruiter, what I buy into is helping people in their careers. I help them get a new career, move within their career, get more money, get out from a bad boss, different acquisition, they lose their job. And so I just am constantly helping people for 27 years now, and I love it. And so the idea came about where there's no podcast where anybody's talking about the individuals and how they achieved what they achieved and what they would have done differently, and especially within the finance community and and specifically within Phoenix. So I'm very much about niche. So we're going after financial leaders in Phoenix, and I'm super excited to have you on here today, Dan. Well, thank you very much, Chad. It's it's a pleasure to be on with you, and I'm I'm really excited as well to to join you today and talk about my story. Fabulous. <laughs> well, let's let's start there. So, tell me uh, a little bit about yourself and um, professionally and, and personally. Yeah. So, uh, Dan Johnson. Uh, I'm I'm a chief financial officer at, at a company based out of Scottsdale. Here, it's a travel uh, technology and business services company called One Company or Open Network Exchange. One is our acronym that, that, that we go by. And um, I've, I start, you know, I've, I've been there for about a year now. Uh, it's a late stage um, company that uh, launched in 2020. It's been a wild ride. We've, we've been growing. You know, it's a high growth organization that we, we, we got a lot going on. It's, it's a very exciting environment and culture to be a part of. So it's, 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 it's been a, a, a nice, you know, change and transition from what I was doing previously. So great. it's been great. And you grew up where? I, I grew up in Wisconsin. Grew up in Wisconsin. Went to school at, at the University of Colorado in Boulder. Um, I, I did my bachelor's in accounting and my master's in accounting. I pursued the the um, bachelor master uh, CPA track. So it's a it's a year to get your master's degree. Many many of the programs and business schools have this program to launch um, you know future uh, CPAs and in, in, into the market. So uh, I pursued that program. And, and then just kind of continued on after that. I um, got my first uh, role at, at Deloitte & Touche as an auditor. It was an audit for, for a few years before looking for more of an adventure. So. Gotcha. <laughs> and let's not forget about the family. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I, I, have, I have two boys, uh, a, a six-year-old who turns six today. And, hey, happy and a, birthday. <laughs> thanks. And he's very excited about being six. And, uh, and a three and a half year old. And then we have one on the way that's due in about three weeks. So another boy. So we'll have, we'll have three boys, three brothers. And it's, it's, uh, we, 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 we just call us the, uh, chaos group at, at our house. So we have, um, the, the boys are just really, you know, they're like any young boys, they're feral, they're adventurous, they're, 
always wanting to have fun and, and seek, you know, seek adrenaline. We have two golden retrievers as well at home to, to add to the, add to the mix. And so, and then, and then my beautiful wife, um, she, she manages it all. So, which, which is absolutely, you know, an incredible, incredible feat. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. You're blessed. That's, I uh, predict a lot of damage to your house in the future. Good <laughs> yes. thing you just moved into a new home though, yep. right? Yeah. So. Yeah. A new home to, to, to really have the kids just run wild in. Oh, that's great. Let's walk all the way back into your childhood or whatever okay. it was that you decided that you wanted to go into the accounting and finance field. Sure. You know, it, it, it probably started in high school, you know, uh, taking math classes. My natural disposition is one that's more logical, more, you know, kind of left brain, um, really enjoyed, you know, math. I also enjoyed sciences and, you know, the kind of the more esoteric concepts as well. But that was just something that just kind of fell in. My mom was a CPA. My father was a pilot. It just seemed like it was a good path. I, I knew I wanted to uh, go to college and, you know, have a baseline of something to pursue. You know, when you're at that in your, you know, in high school, college, you really don't know what you want to do. You're kind of figuring it out. And, and you know, you, you want to find a place, hey, do you want to do engineering? For me, it was like engineering kind of fits that bill or, or business. And, you know, I just happened to, you know, just choose the business route, you know, get into the business school at, at CU Boulder and then just, uh, you know, figure out my, my, my path after that point into, you know, the finance and accounting space. So when you signed up for UC Boulder, you went directly into the accounting track? Yes, I did. I, I went directly into the business school, and then I, I chose accounting as a major. And, you right know, then I, and there, or did you wait the two years? Or Right right, right then and there. You know, my, my parents were probably a little bit influenced because my mom was, an, you know, a CPA at the time. So I was, you know, deciding between, do I do finance or accounting? Well, I'll just do, you know, accounting. And then, you know, they have this five-year track, which is great. You can get your master's in five years. So it just seemed like a great track to do and then do finance as a, as a minor. Or, gotcha. you know, take the studies to, to do a minor in that. So My dad was a pilot as well. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Air Force retired colonel. Yep. Why not the pilot route? That was actually <laughs> one, you know, that was actually, if I wasn't in finance, I definitely would have gone to, to, to you know, to be a pilot and follow my, you know, kind of my father's footsteps to go to the Air Force and airlines and everything. So it, it just kind of clicked to, to do the finance route. You know, I really wanted to go to school. And I had two of my good friends that went to Boulder before that. We were really into skiing and snowboarding and all the outdoor stuff. So that was really our, our big passion. And, you know, things just kind of, you know, followed that track um, versus, you know, going to the Air Force, you know, military pilot track. There are times where I'm like, oh, that would have been, you know, you see the jets flying. Oh, that, super that cool. Fun. Yeah. My excuse is right here. <laughs> I did not know I had bad eyes until I went into the medical and they said, oh, you have bad eyes. You'll never be a pilot. And no, I didn't. Oh, no so way. Then I, I didn't know what I want to do. Yeah. But eventually found a great career. So, so you go there and walk me through your expectations of what you thought accounting was be, would be. And was that, was that real? Or did you, you know, tell me about that before you went to Deloitte? Right. When you're in school, what was your experience in accounting? And the reason I'm asking this uh, is really because we have a lack of students going into the accounting mm-hmm. discipline. There's a major problem with that right now, like in the last three or four years. That's there's been a huge drop in people going to accounting. They think they need to go to finance mm-hmm. rather than accounting. You went accounting. Tell me about that experience. And is it a highly ranked program? And just tell me about the the experience in the accounting track at um not necessarily specific to UC Boulder, yeah. but just the accounting track itself. Accounting track was great. I mean, it is a, uh, you know, once once you get into the, the school, um, these these MPA, they call them Master's in Professional Accounting Programs at many schools, it, it, it's a very close-knit group. You know, th- there's a lot of camaraderie. You have 
these business fraternities that are specific for accounting. One's called Beta Alpha Psi. And so you have this, clo- you know, going into school, um, you know, it's great to start building a network right away. And so that accounting, you know, program is, is a very, you know, um, close-knit group of, of professionals that want to go in various directions. And, and one thing that was told early on to me, you know, just by, you know, colleagues, friends, parents, um, you know, accounting is the language of business. If you can understand accounting, you know, from the, the fundamentals, I mean, you, you, you understand how business operates, you understand, you know, financial reporting, FP&A, KPIs, how, how businesses perform, and then you get into the kind of the more forecasting and business intelligence tools. So from that perspective, you learn very quickly, yeah, you know, this, this, this accounting is, it really is. This is how business operate. This is how investors look at financial statements. This is how they break down financial statements to build their investment thesis. So it really touches all aspects of the business, finance, capital markets, and investor stakeholders within the industry. So, you know, very early on when I started taking my first classes that I started coming to that realization, I'm like, wow, this is great. And then, you know, as you go through the business school, it's, it's great to also get that, fina- that, that, you know, kind of more finance fundamental background as well. So I'd, I'd always recommend, uh, you know, pursue as many finance classes as you can in, in, in school, you know, alongside, you know, accounting, whether it's a double major or, or, you know, accounting is your main major and then, you know, have, have those finance fundamentals. But one thing that, you know, one of the um, senior managing directors at when, when I went into investment banking, they always like to recruit out of what he found is he always liked to recruit out of accounting programs versus pure finance programs. Uh, he just had understanding in that mindset of the professionals and the young um, generation that they're recruiting. Um, they always turn out to be very successful and within the program and, and go on to do great things. You know, having that baseline of because it's really hard to teach accounting. Accounting is not you know, it's, it's not something they can just, you know, kind of logically just jump into. It's, it's a very challenging concept to pick up the debits and the credits and how things move. You know, maybe it's not so, you know, logical at times on, on how they do things. Um, so it, uh, they, you know, they, he found that, you know, the uh, accounting path was where we like to recruit for Houlihan Loki, which is an investment bank. So we'd go to the, the MPA programs and also the finance programs too, but really kind of recruit out of that. So <clears throat> was there anything where you went, uh oh, what did I get myself into? Yeah, there's always times. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, do I really like this? <laughs> so when did when did uh, Deloitte come into the picture or public accounting? Yeah. Like, did you know what you wanted to do? Was that ch- kind of the track that everybody went to tell? Talk to me. Yeah, no, I you know, so I, I always wanted to, um, you know, when I, I looked at my, you know, Early on, you know, I'm, I'm a planner, so I, I was really kind of planning, you know, what, what, what I want my professional career to look like. You know, I always saw that 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 CFO track as as being, you know, uh, one that I'd want to pursue, and 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 really that I thought that'd be a great fit with with my personality and, and my skill set. So I, I always really looked how, how do I get there at Boulder, and this is I was grad, you know, I graduated in, in 2007 with my with my master's um, in in Denver. Um, there, you know. And even back then, you know, the um, the the primary path is 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 big four. So the the big four firms have a have a great great recruiting program right out of these MPA programs. So they come to the campuses, they host events. Um, so you got all the big four to choose from. So you're you're constantly recruiting that from with the big four. Um, probably your senior year, you start attending events with them, and they start you start looking for a busy season internship is like the first one of the first steps you do. So, in in your senior year, uh, you'll do a busy season internship, and in the in the programs, uh, the accounting programs have it built in where it's flexible, where you do that busy season internship while you're, while you're still taking classes and you get credits for that. So um, that, that was a great, um, actually, you know, and as a college student, it's a great way to get, you know, get great experience, you know, make, make 
very good money in, 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 in that, you know, that three-month period during busy season and help out the accounting firms. And then also his network building. So it was building network. And then you knew when, you know, after you went through, so as your senior year, and then um, typically they'd give you a, jo- a full-time job offer if, if, if everything kind of clicked. Um, and then you'd, you'd be going into your master's year with, with a full-time job offer with one of the big four. It was a great kind of launch pad for your career. It's really important what you just said, and I'm going to say for the audience that the internships are so important Mm -hmm. and getting that experience and then having that on your resume because people want to know, oh, this person's worked in an office environment. They've tasted what we're going to be doing. They like the taste of it. They want more of it. As opposed to somebody coming in raw and you're right. like, are they even gonna like this? Right. So. And and you're you, you taste it during busy season, which is the busiest time. I mean, you're you know, everybody's working really late hours. The interns normally go home, you know, in the evening around dinner time, but you know, some of the, the full-time staff have to stay and, and and work, but that's just part of the the, the lifestyle, you know, when, when you're young and you're kind of launching your career and, and really you know, building up your professional professional life. So, mm-hmm. so tell me about that. What was the first year like in, in public accounting? It was great. I mean, it was you have all other folks your age and your generation, you're, you're learning as much you can. You don't really know what you're doing, but you're just trying to, you know, pick up tasks here and there and, and really diving into what it's like from book accounting to what it's like, like in real life accounting. And you're interacting with clients. I mean, you're on the client site. You're not just, you know, making copies and, 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 and doing and getting coffee for people. I mean, you are, they give you, Hey, these are the cash work papers. These are how you, how you test accounts receivable. And, and, and they just have you kind of run with it. So it's great on the job learning in a professional environment, interacting with clients, really building up those soft skills that you really need throughout the rest of your professional life. You must have built up some serious muscles going through that for five, five and a half years. So I stayed in accounting for two and a half years. So okay. yeah, yeah. And, and, and then I um, looked, I got promoted to senior. It's kind of the typical path from associate to senior. Then you're, then you're really kind of managing the engagement team and planning, planning out the audit engagements. Early on, I had, you know, I, I met my wife, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. And had two great mentors who were my older brother-in-laws. So, and they kind of, you know, I talked to them about my career path, you know, hey, how, how do I get, you know, to, you know, kind of more of a CFO type role. And, and so talking with them, you know, they, they had suggestions and referrals. And so I, I knew I didn't want to go throughout the process. You know, auditing wasn't my long-term goal. I mean, it's a great career path. And to the a partnership at a big four is absolutely, you know, phenomenal feat. And and, and it's a it's absolutely a great path to take. But in my case, I, I really wanted to go that CFO route. So it's like, how, how do I get there, you know, as fast as I can? And take that path, and then also at the time too. I, I when when I was auditing, I'd see, oh well, well this company, you know, went, went through an IPO, or, or, or we did a debt raise, or it, you know, and you see what the investment bankers are doing, you see what the attorneys are doing. And you're like, man, I kind of want to, you know, be on that side and see what that's like. So that that led me down the path, and with talking with my my uh, brother-in-laws who who were both in, in their careers, both CFAs, CPAs. Um, worked in M&A, worked in investment banking. So they really helped guide me and they said, yeah, maybe you should look at uh, going into banking. You'll be, get to see the transactional environment. You'll get to see M&A transactions, how those are structured, how those deals are papered, uh, debt placements, um, how, how you build financial models for that. So, um, and, and how you value companies and, and, and how investors look at it. So that really led me to um, looking and, and um, looking and applying for um, different investment banking or advisory type positions. So, you know, the, the one thing when I was when I was coming out with my MPA, there's really 
you know, back in 07, there's really two main tracks is audit tax. You didn't have all these advisory services. You didn't have like the financial due diligence services, the restructuring advisors. They weren't as prevalent. And especially in the market of Denver, it wasn't as prevalent as maybe a larger market such as a, such as a New York or California or, or, or Texas. Um, so, you know, I, I was in that career path. But, you know, now accounting students really have um, a, a lot of those choices coming right out of school and into one of these advisory programs. Now you have the big consulting firms, uh, you know, such as Alvarez Marsal and Alex Partners, and they'll they'll recruit right out of, right out of MPA programs um, and look for you know to add um, uh, staff to their to their restructuring practices, to their management consulting practices, to all these different practices that are now fairly prevalent. Um, you know, back then we were just getting off Enron and WorldCom. So the, the big four hadn't really staffed up their um, consulting businesses because they got rid of them during that time because of the independence issues to where they are now. You know, now, now they figured out how, how to add on those, those types of businesses. Then you had all these other account uh, consulting firms pop up and, and grow throughout time too. So, so are you happy with the move that, that you did with investment banking? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really happy with it. Uh, so I, I went, I went to Hulahan Loki, um, and their financial advisory services group where, uh, we focused the group. I was kind of the subgroup I was in. We, we focus on board and special committee advisory services and valuation. So we, we would, we'd be hired by boards, management teams, financial sponsors to value companies for, for potential transactions. Transactions, whether it was M&A transactions or, um, you know, debt placement transactions or, or incentive compensation or a whole other kind of variety of, of, of different services that you provide w- w- within that business line that, that I was in. And, you know, I, I was happy there. It was, it was, it was a great experience. It was, it was, uh, it's very it was very different than public accounting. You know, public accounting you, you work long hours, but you know you go to investment bank and it's it's a whole different ball game. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So just another level, huh? Just, just another level. So I, I get in and you know, um, and and so I I was a little bit older than the other analysts that came in because I I'd already did three years in public accounting and and there was an, another colleague um, that that he was very similar similar background to me. He came out of uh, auditing and and so um, his name was Mark and so we, we were we were peers at the time and and you know at the investment bank you know the the first thing that, that you know, they give you a computer and um, start assigning you work and everything. And the, the first thing that happened was uh, the associate comes around. One of the associates, one of my you know, boss at the time, because I was an analyst, came around and saw I was using a, mouse, a computer mouse. He's like, nope, mouses aren't allowed here. You know, you, it, here it, here's, here's the hot keys for Excel. Learn those. And I'm taking your mouse away. So, so that that's how kind of different, kind of a, like a hazing type thing at, at the banks. But it was, it was a little bit it was an interesting kind of like wake up call. And then, but you know, it's fun. You work long hours at the bank. I mean, you would be um, working anywhere from 60 to 80 hours a week on di- different deals, but you build up a, a very great network and camaraderie amongst the other analysts that are in the same position as you. So you, it, and it was just a culture. I mean, you'd work, you got, you know, you'd have fun in the bullpen and, and, you know, throw balls back and forth as you're kind of cranking through financial models and, and, and pitch decks and things like that. And then, and you'd all go out to dinner together. So dinner was on the firm every night. And so you'd all go out to dinner together, come back and work a couple hours, and then, and then maybe go home and do it all over again. Within that time, I mean, I call it doggy years, you get a lot of experience within a, a very short period of time because you're, you're seeing so many different uh, transactions and deals, and, and you're working with these very, very seasoned financial professionals and, and, and attorneys in the space. So it, it, it's a really, really um, great, you know, phenomenal experience. So just put your put your time in and yep. get that experience. Put time you're in, get that experience. Incredible education. Exactly. You get, and that's the you know the on the job training. You know, both big four great on the job training, investment banking same same thing. Great on the job training. Um, and and you get your time in, and then you either kind of you know 
go throughout and, and stay there, which is a great career path. I mean, very, very successful. And I got promoted um, all the way up to senior vice president. Or, you know, you look at, you know, a, 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 another path is, you know, people start looking at going to private equity, going back to get their MBA, and then, you know, uh, pursuing something after that point. So you see all these different paths um, and, and where your peers are, are, are landing. So your next move came, and, and why'd you make that move? Yeah, my next move came, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, uh, had been doing it for a long time, you know, about seven years. And I was just, you know, you're, you're advising, all, all, you know, you're on the advisory side, so you advise companies, and then, you know, you you move to the next in the, the next deal. And I really wanted to get on the side of, hey, I, I want to be, you know, doing that, you know, because I, you know, still had, you know, my, my ambitions to be a, a, a CFO. And so, um, you know, I, I wanted that, you know, that operational experience, that accounting operational experience, finance operations, and felt like it was a good time to make that transition. I was approached by a, a senior colleague who was, he was going to a, a restructuring firm to launch a, you know, a very similar service at the restructuring firm, and then also alongside restructuring services. So in restructuring, valuation is a big component of, of, of a restructuring strategy. So, Having that kind of hybrid experience, you know, restructuring and valuation was was a great fit for this firm. I followed him over with with another colleague. Um, he, he he gave me an opportunity to come over and, and build that practice up at, at, at the at, at at this firm called Conway McKenzie. And so we we built that up, and you know, it was great. I mean, is hop right into the restructuring world, which which is a whole different experience, but great experience as well. So I also hear very long hours in restructuring, yes. right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Strong so. demands. Very long hours, strong demands, stressful situations, but the experience that, that, that you gain through that is 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 also in, uh, incredible. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, you know, did that for um, a, a, a number of years, you know, so I, I was at that firm with, with them, my wife and I, we wanted to move to Colorado. So I, I joined a, another restructuring firm um, in uh, called Ankara in Denver and joined their, their energy restructuring practice. Um, it was actually a small group at the time and, and myself and a few colleagues and, and this, uh, our senior managing director, we really built that up from, um, you know, what, what it was at the time, just a few individuals to a, a very large, um, you know, energy restructuring practice. And, and through that got, you know, is, uh, worked on a variety of different, uh, engagements and, and, uh, saw a lot of different, a lot of different things and solved a lot of problems. So it was, it, it was great. Fascinating. And then he went, uh, Riveron is still public accounting, right? And so yeah, R- Riveron's a, they have the restructuring. Yeah, business. they have a re- they they bought Conway McKinsey. So I, I was at Ankara doing uh, mostly debtor side restructuring. So that that's company side restructuring, and and you know, in, in those situations, you you are you know called in by a, by an investor, a lender, or management team um, to uh, go into a company and develop a, you know that's a company that's under stress, whether it's an operational issues or uh, capital structure issues, and you help them solve those issues. You help them. You and your team, you help them solve the capital structure. So, you know, typically they have very tight liquidity. So you're looking at liquidity modeling, working capital management, and then um, for business forecasting, and really trying to fix the business in, in any way you can. So, and, and a lot of that is a combination of operational efficiencies, improvements, and then also capital structure. Looking at the capital structure, looking at the, at, at the debt load, re, recapitalizing the capital structure, whether you're doing like a debt to equity swap or um, recapitalizing the debt, looking for liquidity in, in, in other places. Because, um, you know, sometimes you get in these also like crisis, you know, you get into sometimes you get called into a situation where it's, you know, it, it's it's somewhat too late at the time and the company's already in crisis. Like they, you know, have you know very low amount of cash on hand to, to pay their bills coming due and 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 those those situations are very very challenging because you are you know from day one you're dropped in and um, you really have to figure out um, how to fix a situation within a very short period of time. Huge experience, right? yeah, unbelievable. So I 
am not good at math. That's why I was a <laughs> biology major. But if I'm doing it right, you were basically in public accounting or restructuring for 16 years-ish, and yep. then you went into industry. Yeah. You finally made it into industry. Yep. Tell me, that is really very interesting. Tell me about that experience, the transition, you know, what you expected and, and all that. That's sure. Very interesting. Because yes. people want to do that, right? Yep. That's that's kind of the goal. It yeah, seems it's kind like. of the, yeah. If the, you don't the, become the, partner, you go to industry. Right, right. And consulting's great. When I was in restructuring, a lot of the role, some of the roles you'll assume is is interim management. So the if if the management team has exited or if the equity or financial sponsor wants a change of management, um, a lot of times we'll 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 get appointed as interim chief restructuring officer, interim chief financial officer, or chief executive officer. So early on, when I, after I joined Ancra, my uh, senior managing director, he was serving as a CEO of an energy company in, in Oklahoma. And he got called on another deal to be the chief operating officer of another company. And so he said, hey, Dan, I need you to go to, to Oklahoma. And um, you're going to be my proxy as, as a CEO there. There is no CFO, so you're going to be the acting CFO as, as well. So <laughs> so six months after I joined Ancra, you know, I'm, I'm now, you know, in, in an officer level role at, at, at an energy company in, in, in Oklahoma. So I, I got that experience, you know, on the job kind of taking it, you know, from a fire hose very, very quickly. And so I, you know, so that really kind of prepped me, okay, this is what we do. There's a great COO in there at the time. Um, she was phenomenal. So her and I worked closely together on the company strategy is already, you know, had already been restructured. So we were just looking at special situations. How do we monetize? You know, what direction do we want to take this company? You know, and, and we were dealing with a the board was a um, consortium of of hedge funds from from the East Coast, and so we're trying to figure out with them, you know, what what, what do we what do you guys want to do with this with, with this company? We got a cash flow positive, it's growing. Uh, you either got to put in capital if we want to develop additional, you know, oil and gas fields, or um, you know, pursue some other type of transaction. And we ended up pursuing a a sale transaction, selling the company for for a great for for a very good purchase price, and and, and got them uh, uh, a high return on on the par value of their their debt and their equity. So that kind of prepped me for that. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of months later, we're trying a couple of deals in between and then um, went into this uh, very um, crisis situation, another energy company. Um, and the C- CFO had quit before, the CEO had quit. There was a CEO of the operating company, um, but the financial sponsor didn't have any management in the team. So uh, very quickly, you know, we got in there like, the situation's a mess. We should have been called in earlier. They're like, well, we need a, we need, we need officers for, for you know, we need, ma- we need a management team, you know, a competent and, um, you know, kind of mature management team to, to run this thing. So they appointed me as the CEO of the company to take it through restructuring strategy, and that was a, uh, a, a about a year process um, to restructure that company. So it's, it, that was a, that was a very challenging um, engagement. Um, it, it was met with a lot of, and then you have the industry aspect as well. So oil and gas is very volatile industry. So you have things going on all the time. You have pipelines blowing up and um, things, things, you know, operational um, challenges in the field that you're, you're dealing with on top of the financial aspect of the business, dealing with the capital structure. We had to put it into bankruptcy because we had a lot of uh, unsecured liabilities. We really need to uh, work out through bank, through, through the, through a quarter uh, court supervised process. So that, you know, kind of uh, led, led to, you know, we, I, I did that. And then um, always wanted to, you know, look for a full-time uh, CFO role um, throughout my uh, restructuring career. And then um, finally had the opportunity at, at one company, uh, you know, fast forward a couple years later at, at, at one company to take on a, a full-time CFO role for a, a high growth company that really, you know, is, is, is growing very quickly. Um, 
you know, is building up their finance function and, and you know, on a, on a, a local and global scale. So, you know, I, I had the opportunity to hop in and it was, it was a great transition. You know, I, I had, luckily I had great experience from restructuring and serving as an interim officer. So going to a full-time officer was, was, was a, a fairly smooth transition. But you're not fighting fires anymore. Yeah, right? yeah, we're, that adrenaline. Like, what yeah. is that? Is it different? It's it's different because it's it's high growth. So it's it's like yeah, yeah, you know, business opportunities and partnerships. And so we still have fire drills, but it's more like growth fire drills. Hey, mm-hmm. we got this big partnership. How do we roll this in? How do we how, how do we account for it? Um, you know, so you're pulling all the different teams together, the development team and the product teams and, and um, you know, marketing. And so you have a little different, it's, it's a little different um, perspective and a little bit different role. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, very high energy. Everybody is, um, you know, kind of all on the same page on growing the business and they all are, you know, executing on the vision and the strategy of the company and restructuring. It's a little bit different because you are coming in from, as an outsider and you have an existing management team there. So you're really trying to build consensus uh, and, and, and you're doing kind of a lot of politicking to get people on your side to execute a holistic restructuring strategy. That that's a, a big challenge because you may have existing individuals there that may be aligned with certain group, you know, political groups within the, within the organization, they may not be on board with this restructuring strategy or where it's going. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a little bit, it, it's different, but it, but it, it, it's a fun different. Yeah. If, if, if that makes sense. Still pulling 80 hour weeks. Uh, no, <laughs> not quite. It's, it, it's an ebb and flow. Um, but it's, it, it's nothing like the investment banking. Right. And even restructuring wasn't, I mean, uh, that's restructuring ebb and flow too. So you had really busy times and then you'd have kind of lulls, um, when, when you get things, um, you know, when you get things after you, you get them triaged, um, and, and then you come up to another event and maybe you have, Another couple couple busy weeks, but it was it was a little bit lighter than than the bank. It was kind of consistent, consistent weeks at at a high, high high hour. <laughs> so gotcha. Well, yeah. it's a little more conducive now with so many uh, s- such a large family, right? Yeah, you spend more time exactly. Like that. And, and that that was one of the things is you know after I had my uh, my my second kid, and I was traveling ninety percent of the time in restructuring now. Post COVID, that's that, that's all changed. I mean, they they're not traveling. You know, when I talk to my colleagues that are still in restructuring, they're they're not traveling as as much as they used to. I mean, back then, you know, pre COVID, that was just the culture. That was the culture of the the senior leaders of the firms. It's like you know when when you're on a when I, when you're on a deal, you're, you're out there with the client. You know, Monday through Friday, and that, that's just how it was. Now with with Teams and with uh, Zoom, it's great. I mean, it's it's great for you know folks that are getting into that because you can balance it a little bit better. Maybe go on a week or two at a time a month or stagger it with your team. So you're not, so people aren't always there traveling 90% of the time and, and becoming, you know, concierge key on American and things like that, which, you know, for, from a family perspective is, is, is just not, not conducive. It's, it's, it's a, it was a real challenge kind of balancing that. And so for me personally to try and find that balance was, had, had always been a, how it's been a challenge. Cause I was, you know, driven, you know, by my career and, and, and doing that. But, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I wanted to focus on my family and that, that turned my attention to, Hey, you know, I want to find something that's a little more, you know, not traveling as much and, and, and a little more um, consistent. Out of curiosity, do you think that is a fundamental change in the restructuring or is it just temporary, right? Google is famously now calling people back to the yeah. office. Do you think restructuring will go back to that 90% travel or do you think that just really just made a fundamental change? You know, I, I think it's a bit of both. I, I do think it's it's somewhat of a fundamental change with the technology now that people are so used to using Teams and Zoom that it really doesn't require you on site 90% of the time. So I think it is a fundamental change for, for consulting firms, at least for many of the ones I talk to and, and colleagues that, that are still in the industry. 
there still is, is a bit of travel, but maybe it's like 50% now or, or, or less. Which is know. huge. That's yeah, which is huge. Difference. It's a huge difference from, you know, uh, 90 or 100%. So, right. Yeah. From a lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It really allows people to have a little bit more flexibility and, and have a personal life outside of outside mm-hmm. of work. So you said something earlier and, you know, you said you wanted to be a CFO. So thinking back to when you said, I want to be a CFO, what is different than what it actually is? That's actually a good question. Um, you know, I, I I think just the, you think as a CFO, hey, I'll just be dealing with with, with the number aspect of the business and, and the capital structure. But you're really involved in the strategy of the business too. And, and the CFO role is really evolving over time with, with data and with finance being more of a fundamental part of the strategy of an organization. It's really highly integrated in with the CFO function or, or the CEO function, sorry, with, with operations. And a lot of times um, you, ha- you have operational components reporting up to the CFO. You have IT reporting up to the CFO uh, at cer- certain organizations, however they're organized. Uh, HR sometimes, you know, very often reports up. So it's a very, it's, it's becoming now a very integrated strategy, you know, the, the finance with operations, with marketing, and with business development of an organization. So I, I thought that was, you know, somewhat different. And I think that has evolved over time uh, to a certain extent. That's probably what I thought um, and, and how, how it really changed uh, from my initial perspective when I, when I was a, you know, junior, junior auditor um, or junior analyst. You also mentioned that you believed when you made that decision that you wanted to be a CFO, that you had the personality and the skill set. Is that accurate? Like, was that the right personality and skill set? And is it true or is there something that you had to actually work on and grow? Well, I hope so. <laughs> so, no, yeah. So, I, like I said, you know, I was always, you know, from the, I, I'm always very, I'm very data driven. And, you know, I, I feel like data communication is the key to success. So I'm, I'm a very data, like KPIs and forecasting. I always want to forecast the future. So early on in, in banking and, and, restructuring, you learn, you know, when you're in accounting, you're very uh, historically looking, you know, historically focused, historically focused on, you know, what has happened in the past, but you got to think about what's going to, what's going to happen in the future. And how do you plan for that? How do you target for that? And how do you achieve those goals? And so forecasting becomes a big part of it. And how do you forecast? You know, your forecast is only as good as your assumptions. So it's really looking at what are the KPIs that drive the business? Are we using KPIs that, or, or data that, 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 you know, maybe is not reflective of business performance. And so how do we improve that FP&A function, that forecasting function? And so I, I think that's a key part of it. And so you, I, I learned that, you know, kind of early on, that was the great thing about the, the banking and the restructuring experience, because you're always for, forward looking, you know, and you're planning for every scenario too. So you're scenario forecasting and banking, you, lo- you learn how to scenario forecast, you know, a, a base case, a mid case, a, you know, a high case um, restructuring. You always really, I mean, you, and you have to, in restructuring, you have to forecast down, to the week, like weekly cash flow, because you cannot run out of cash or the party's over really. So that was like one of the first things you learn, you learn in restructuring. So you're, you're, you're very detailed. And so my, I, I was just very detail oriented and very driven by data. And, and so that, that that's kind of how it fit my, my kind of uh, personality and, and skill set. And then also planning, planning for the future being, you know, I'm somewhat risk averse as well. I've learned to take more risk over time as, as I um, have, have gone through my career, but, um, you know, that kind of planning aspect. And my, my wife even says in my personal life, I always want to plan things out and, and into the future. You know, everything needs to be kind of planned and then every scenario needs to be modeled out and, and, and assign a certain risk probability on what's, what's certainly going to happen. Mm-hmm. So is there anything thinking back on your career and you still have a long ways to go. Mm. You're, you're very young. You're very blessed. 
Is there a move that you made that you that you think you might not have made looking back on it now? Right. You know, it's it's hard to say. I I, I think everything happens for a reason. You know, all opportunities kind of presented to you, and you choose the what, what you think are the right opportunities at the time to kind of guide your life. So, you know, there, there's not one thing I would say that that I regret doing, except for maybe being a pilot. <laughs> but no, if I had to, you know, kind of do it all over again, you know, one, one thing, you know, because I, I did want to go to this path, uh, to the CFO path. And, and, and maybe one thing I would have done a little bit different would be after, you know, doing maybe a year in, as an auditor, because I knew I, I, I didn't want, you know, Auditing was not my career path for for me personally. Um, I, I probably would have made a made a move uh, a little bit quicker um, over over to the investment banking route, or maybe to a restructuring route, or or something just just a little bit quicker. But I, I did like that. I did love that you know accounting experience too. So you know having that big four accounting experience was great because you get your CPA, which is you know if, if you look at most most uh, CFOs, you know C- CPA is is typically a requirement, if not something that's preferred. So having that, and then just having that basic understanding of internal controls, financial reporting, uh, transparency and financial statements, especially if you're working for a public company, it gives you that great experience. But if I had to do it, I'd, I'd probably maybe uh, jump a little bit quicker, get that experience at the big four and then jump a little bit you know, quicker and kind of accelerate that um, to, to over to the banking or the consulting route. Mm-hmm. Is there one moment that you can think back to or one of the situations that you, you speak very optimistically about every role and how it helped build you? Yep. But is there the one that you just say, this was it? This is the one that, that really made me who I am and, and made me successful? That's, yeah, you're right. That, that's tough. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a building block. It's a building block of all of them. Um, and, and each role came with just such different experience and perspectives. Um, and, and then just different people you meet, you know, building that network up, which I think is also very important of, of, of a career is, is building that network very early on and keeping in touch with people, which I'm, I'm, I'm not the best at it. I definitely need to improve on that. But I think it's just a building block. Um, I, I can't point to one kind of specific role. I, I, I really um, think everyone kind of added, uh, you know, a certain level of, um, you know, experience that, that I value to this day. Network is huge. Yeah, network is huge. It, it is, is absolutely. Huge. I mean, I can't reiterate that enough. Network is huge. Keep it up with your network, building that early on in your career, and just keep in touch with folks. And that's the great thing about public accounting, the great thing about, um, you know, investment banking, consulting. You know, you're, when you're working those long hours, may, at the time, you may think, you know, this this is, you know, this is miserable. Gosh, why am I doing this? My friends are out. You know, a lot of my friends were out hanging out on the weekends, going on trips, and I'm, I'm in the office working, you know, because something's due Monday or, or you know, we have a clo- closing on Monday. But, you know, you build that kind of internal network amongst your amongst your peer group. And then you can really and you, and you guys really bond over it because you guys are all in the same situation and kind of dealing with all the same stresses and, and things. Like I said, you're going out to dinner and then, you know, maybe you'll go out, to take a Friday and, 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 you know, get some libations and things like that. So and just keeping keeping in touch with those folks, you know, throughout time, seeing where their career, career paths are going. Uh, it's really interesting to um, see where see where everybody ends up and then just frequently touch base with them and, and see what they're up to. So I think of leadership in those types of organizations because it is, you know, so hardworking. It, I, I think it resembles the military, right? You just have to mm-hmm. do what the person above you says. It's just part of the code of the company. Yeah. But tell me, you know, did you, do you feel that you were a good leader in the beginning? What did you learn? What did you have to improve on as a leader? Yeah. So leading is, is, is a challenge because, you know, the, you have leadership course in college, but it doesn't really teach you leadership. So um, early on, you know, one thing that you know, I, I'm, I'm somewhat or was, I'd say I'm got much better at this today. I was I was such a perfectionist back then, you know, with with my work um, that when I was you know promoted up 
and, and now leading folks is, is really kind of taking, you know, taking your hands off everything, not doing everything yourself, you know, figuring out what, what skill sets, what people are really good at that, that you're leading, like, what are they good at, you know, that maybe you're not so good at to supplement those skills and not doing everything yourself, because you're never going to be, um, you're never going to be able to scale yourself if, if you're constantly doing everything yourself and, and in the details. So it's really kind of taking that step back, learning, and then having them do it. And you're, you're spending extra hours. I mean, you're spending extra time, and it's just, it is what it is. But it helps grow them. It helps mentor and coach the younger generation so they can learn. And then they make your life better, you know, once they learn. And then your life gets a little bit better because you're not doing everything yourself anymore. So, and then they're learning the process as well. So I think taking that that step um, was probably one, one of the, you know, most challenging things to learn and, and for me to kind of take a step back from um, and, 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 and rely on others to do it and then coach them through it and then review, take the time to review and have them go redo things or, or, Hey, what about this? Did you consider this? Did you consider that? And, and kind in, in writing those notes for them in their models or in their presentations, because that, that's, that's how I learn. And so I feel like that, that, that's, you know, want to pass that on. That, that's how they can learn. Hey, you know, so that, that was, so learning to become a leader, was it natural for you? Did you seek books, just mentors? How did you learn? Mostly through mentors on the job experience. And then we had some great leadership programs at, at, at Houlihan and, and at, at my consulting firms that they put us through. So we did annual trainings and for each level, um, they would train you on, you know, what are the important skill sets at that level? So when, when I was promoted to, to VP at, at Houlihan, they had a they had a great training program, you know, for each level. They hosted New York uh, for a couple of weeks, and the, the VP training was completely different. It, it wasn't focused on building financial models, building, you know, pitch decks, learning how to do a weighted average cost of capital or DCF or multiple approach. It was, it was, it was focused on, you know, your soft skills. It's focused on leadership. It's focused on, on, on your sales approach and, and how to sell business because now you're in a different role. You, you're managing you know how to do all that technical stuff at that point. I mean, you know it in and out. You know how to build a, a whack in, in your sleep. And now it's about, hey, let's learn how to lead and be a good leader, lead by example, and also, you know, build up the other soft skills that are required as you continue through your career. Is there a difference in leadership in the industry, not in a restructuring role where you're in an industry um, without getting anybody any trouble? But yeah. is is there a difference in leadership where you're at now versus in the, let's just call it the investment banking or the auditor role? I, I would say the, 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 the difference, the difference is, is the, it's, it's probably the, the, the skill set and, and the common skill set of individuals that are in, in investment banking that you're leading or consulting. It's, it's, it's very similar. People have a very similar kind of work disposition. You're working in these small teams. So now you go to an organization, you're, you're now working with a, with a very large team coming from different different areas, different backgrounds and experiences. Um, so you're having to learn, you know, what 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 makes that person tick, what drives them, what motivates them, um, or what motivates this person. And so you're trying to pick that up. And then where are they good at? And maybe where, you know, are other people um, need areas of development or myself? And then you kind of supplement that. And then you're kind of pulling together other large areas of the organization. You're pulling together like, you know, operations. How do you interact with them? How do you interact with sales and marketing? How do you interact with, with the development team, with the testing team? Uh, so it's, it's and then all the way up to the, the senior leadership and, uh, and, and the board level too, you know, and how, how do you, you know, interact with the board and pre- present them the information that they need to make, uh, to properly make decisions. So that, that was probably one of the biggest changes from being in a consulting firm. You know, you're, you're solely focused on, on a very specific 
project or deal or engagement at one period of time, and you have your close-knit team that you're executing this with, um, that you're very familiar with, with how they, how you guys operate and, and gel together. And then, you know, now you're a large, large organization, you know, putting together all these different pieces and, and, and working with them. So you have a nice, efficient, you know, kind of well-oiled machine. Yeah. You said something interesting, which is figuring out what makes people happy and makes yeah. people tick uh, versus at, you know, at, at the big four, it's probably more like you just do this because yeah. That's what we all do, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, yeah, no, you're exactly right. Yeah, it's not a. It's a different type of leadership. That's our work culture. Skill. We we work. We, you know, we work hard, right. and then you you know work for you know most most people are driven kind of by um, you know the the value of the work and the you know what they get out of it. Hey, I, I help this client do this. I execute this transaction, or, or we got this company you know from a distressed situation. Now it's profitable again. And then on top of that, you know those um, you know your compensation structures also are, are are a bit different. So and then and then you get you know and then yeah you're trying to figure out what people tick. You know not not everybody is driven by by bonuses or or, or by this. Some people are driven more by you know work life balance or by a hybrid schedule or you know, or, or, or by leadership or growing their career. So you're, you're trying to, you know, really figure that out. And, and I think that's very important to, to learn from everybody that you're managing and having that situa- situational awareness um, so you can be a, a, an effective leader and you're not just dictating down to people. You're really, you know, helping, you know, rise them up too um, because it's, it's going to make you much more successful. It's going to make them successful and it's going to make the organization successful. Yeah, that was an aha moment for me and my leadership growth was that, not everybody wanted to be me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought everybody wanted to be me, but they, I, I learned that they did want to be me. Yeah. And different, you know, people took to different things and they're satisfied by different things. And and once you come to that and, and the, the servant leadership, uh, you know, it was a big moment for me. It really is. And it's it's learning on a personal and professional level, everybody that, that you're working with. Um, so you can work effectively with them and 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 figure out, you know, how, what, what style makes sense. Mm-hmm. So... What would you go back and to, you already talked about maybe not staying an audit as long, but, you know, maybe not necessarily just business wise, but what would you go back and tell your younger self? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I'd probably say it, it, it probably has to come back to uh, work-life balance. Really, really, you know, your, your career is very important and it's, and it's important, you know, with a lot of aspects of your life, but, you know, your career is not going to be there forever or this job's not going to be there forever. So don't, you know, kind of don't sweat the small stuff. You know, every you're going to come into a lot of stresses throughout your career. Always focus on your family. Make sure your family's happy. Um, make sure you have that that quality time with your family um, because I think that's that that's a very important part is to balance that in in your life and not focus so much on your career that you forget to 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 to, to make a life essentially. So. That's hard, so hard to do because I really could is. put myself back there and I was like, I just got to work my tail I know. off to to get to this level yeah. or, or to, you know, get promoted. I have to do this, this, and this. And, and you get really caught up in the details. And then also, you know, sometimes you get so stressed about something like, oh my gosh, this, this is going to happen. Or are we going to get through this? You're always going to get through it. Right. I mean, everything's going to work out. Just put, just plan ahead, plan for situations and you'll get through it. And then you'll think back 50, you know, five years later, a year, a year, five years later. And you won't even remember that. You know, why was I so stressed at that time and, and disregarded my family for that? I mean, it just didn't, you know, it, it um, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it's not something to kind of get worked up about, I think. And, and, and I, I learned that over time to let, let things go, be a little more, uh, less fair about stuff and hey, we'll, 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 we'll figure it out. You know, it's a challenge, but don't get worked up about it. Um, we'll, we'll get it figured out. And then also balance, balance with the family life, which is always such a challenge. Mm-hmm. Somebody told me uh, years ago, I, I, severely damaged my leg 
and somebody and and I was told how long the process was to recover from it. And somebody said, you know, when you think back on this, it's just going to be a flash. When you're in it, yeah. you're like, "There's this is horrible, and you're in it every second and every moment. And then sure enough, I am now four years removed from that, and it was just a blip, and yeah. I made it through it, and you control what you can control and do the best you can. Right. But it's just be in the moment, and you'll make it through. Yeah. You make, people are amazing. They can make it through a lot of different you things. You make it through so. a lot of adversity, <laughs> and, and I think of that uh, kind of famous or kind of ancient Roman proverb, per spera ad astra, which is like through adversity to the stars. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're always going to have adversity. And, and it always and it goes back through throughout throughout time, throughout history. But it's always getting through that makes you a better person professionally and, and personally. Gotcha. And, I, you know, I think you've hit on this quite a bit, but let's just quickly summarize it. What advice would you give to someone starting out early on in their career that wants to achieve the CFO title? Let's just kind of summarize that. Yeah, I'd, I'd say plan it out early in, in your career. If, if, if you're, you know, sitting in a, in a college program, um, start start thinking about it ahead of time so you can make those steps in your career because every step you make is very important and you don't want to jump jump around too much. So um, kind of, you know, get get focused on it, see, see what you want. How am I going to achieve that? What are the necessary steps and, and goals I need to achieve along the way? So I think like proper planning, proper kind of career path. Hey, let's, you know, I, I want to do this, this, and this to get there. Or I'm interested in maybe going this route there. And, and I've, I've seen a lot of people stay in audit and then go on to be go, go on to be CFOs, many, 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 many of my colleagues. So it, it's it's just taking that career path and what interests you to get there. You're a planner. That's yes, for sure. I, I am. I, I really <laughs> am. And it makes my wife frustrated at times. So. so I know you like to help people. It's very evident. And if somebody has additional questions yeah. and want to get in touch with you, how do they go about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, you, you can, um, you know, I'm active on LinkedIn. So you can just look me on LinkedIn and send me a message if you want to, you know, talk. I, I, I love helping people. I love guiding them in their career path. You know, I always, you know, told my wife, you know, when, when I retire, I, I want to be a professor because I want to go teach and, 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 and help people out. And so you look me up on LinkedIn, Dan Johnson's uh, CFA CPA, I think is my my address and send me a message and, and love to, you know, connect and, and, and meet and talk about how, how I can help anybody. Mm-hmm. Probably the easiest way, because a lot of the younger people don't necessarily, they're not connected to a whole lot of people on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So if you Google Dan Johnson one network, it'll yep. come up and then you can find the LinkedIn from there because if you're not connected to enough people, it's kind of difficult to run a LinkedIn search. And I as well can be found through Google, Chad Dean, integrated management resources, and I want to thank you, really, for your insights. Um, you're such a wonderful person to talk to, very easy to talk to, and I encourage anybody to reach out to you to uh, consider uh, continue the conversation with you. And I want to thank you for being on the second episode of Behind the Balance Sheet and being such a wonderful guest. Well, well thank you so much, Chad. It was a pleasure to be here, and I, I appreciate the invite to, to come on this, this show. This, this, this was very fun. Fantastic. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Financial Footsteps, Candid Conversations with Financial Leaders. We encourage you to apply the knowledge and wisdom shared in these conversations to your own career. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. Your feedback is important to us as we continue to bring you more candid conversations and thought-provoking insights from successful financial leaders.